Welcome to Two Old Ladies Walking. On a trail, somewhere in Sleepy Hollow, which is neither sleepy, but possibly a hollow. <laughs> uh, we are at Rockefeller State Park today and starting our walk on the Pocantico River Trail. Or is it Pocantico? Or definitely not 13 bridges. Maybe it's seven and a half bridges. We might have, yeah, four bridges. We'll see how many. <laughs> Let's see how many we do. So how many times do you think you've been here? To, to this? Rockefeller. Well... This is a very interesting question because there are all these entry points into Rockefeller. And um, I used to, throughout the 90s, hike at the preserve. But this is before there was a parking lot that you paid to enter the preserve. I would just, you know, drive up, park the car, and hike, hike, hike. hike. So probably a hundred times. Yeah. I used to come here also when it was a preserve. It was um, probably the 90s, the first yes. time I came. And that day, we actually saw David Rockefeller and company come cruising down the carriage path in a horse and buggy. <laughs> I was like, oh, how often do you get to see a Rockefeller at Rockefeller Preserve? <laughs> but I, I do remember, oh, I'm out of breath here at this hill. <laughs> Um, when it did turn into a state park. Oh, I didn't realize it's a state park. Yeah. At one point it was a preserve and then I believe donated to New York State to be a state park. Oh, that's lovely. That's why our park pass works here now. That parking lot up there. Oh, right. That parking pass we can use in many different locations. But it is December. And it is the season of holidays. And what is a happy holiday food memory that you have from oh, childhood? Food memory. Food memories. I could do a whole podcast on food memories. <laughs> <laughs> we could do a whole year on food I memories. I could do a year on. I could do seasonal podcasts. <laughs> because we love food. We're like Julia Child with her badge. Yes. The School of Hardy Eaters. School of Hardy Eaters, yeah. Three Hardy Eaters. That's right. A holiday memory of food, like Christmas or any holiday? Let's go with whatever holiday you celebrated in December as a child. Would be Christmas. Um, I do remember my mother would make a big meal, which was often a turkey. And I remember thinking... But we just had turkey for Thanksgiving. <laughs> but I really loved all the appetizers my mother made because her side of the family was um, Lebanese and German, and then my dad's side was Syrian. So there was always fresh hummus before it was sold in this long before it was sold in the stores, pre-made. She would make baba hanouj. She would actually be baking the eggplants, and um, then we'd have a tray of German cold cuts on little squares of pumpernickel bread. And I often helped make that platter. I can't say how many squares never <laughs> quite made it to the communal platter because <laughs> little Rosie would have to taste test everything. Like one of each kind of cold cut went in my mouth. What about you? Well, as you know, all of my grandparents were born in Italy. And from uh, my maternal grandparents were from Naples. 
and my paternal grandparents were from Cosenza in Calabria. And so we, we had the very, like the ethnic Christmas, where the semi-assimilated ethnic Christmas, where it would be two meals, what we thought the um, born in America Americans ate and what Italians ate. So there would always be an antipasto. And um, like you, I would pick at it while my mother was assembling it. And the real treat for Christmas was homemade monocotti. And they made the pasta. So they would actually make the pasta. And then they would stuff it with ricotta. That sounds amazing. And cheese. And then there'd be all the things that they thought Americans ate. But, and uh, there was always bacala, which is fish, codfish. They'd always make, they make codfish, um, like fried codfish. Mm -hmm. um, but what was interesting is years later, I heard about this feast of the seven fishes. We didn't have that, and all my grandparents were from Italy. We had cod, bacalao. But I will say, and sadly, due to high cholesterol, I can never enjoy the monocotti again. Right. <laughs> but oh my God, I think that is one, it was one of my favorite dishes, which I'm sure is loaded with so much cholesterol. What was your favorite present when you were a child? I have to say, and only because this is the first thing that comes to mind, um, when we lived in New Jersey, and this is just when there were three of us, my older sister, my younger brother, and I, the other two hadn't been born yet, the neighbors had a mini bike, and we lived on a dead-end street, so we'd take turns all riding the mini bike and do a loop around the bottom and come back up the driveway, but um, I think my parents saw how much fun we had with the neighbor's mini bike. And one, this one Christmas we got up and there was a shiny metallic, like sparkly teal colored mini bike uh, next to the Christmas tree. And we didn't even ask for it. And that's what made it so special. It was just, I believe there was quite a bit of screaming in the house. You know, <laughs> mini bike, we didn't even ask for this. And, um, and we used it a lot and we all, it was, you know, we took turns. Everybody took a turn. You had to do, you would say, well, I'm just using random numbers. Like when it's your turn, you get three uh, round trips up and down the driveway, down to the end of the street and back. And then you had to see the mini bike to the next person <laughs> with a helmet, of course. And um, we, did, we could just do that for hours. Well, until we run out of gas anyway. <laughs> did you have anything that was like really stood out in your mind? Yes. And unfortunately, the movie Nope <laughs> by what it, the uh, director, Jordan Peele. Yeah. It was a great movie, but it scared me so much that I, I look at my childhood favorite toy a little differently. So I had a great passion for Zippy, a stuffed monkey um, with red corduroy pants a yellow shirt, zip on it, and I did get Zippy, and um, over the years I got Tippy, <laughs> Zippy's partner, and another Zippy, and, um, and then years, decades later, when I no longer had the toy, I found a Zippy in like almost perfect condition at Elephant's Trunk, and I really just cherished it, but when I saw the movie Nope, and the monkey goes on the rampage the, on the television set, dressed exactly like Zip. I don't know. I'm t it frightened me too much. As you know, I don't like scary. That's too bad. It yeah. took away a happy memory. Yeah, yeah. It scared me. terror into it. Before <laughs> we go any further, we're coming out to our junction. So normally, we'd make a right turn here 
to go to 13 Bridges, but we're going to make a left turn, which, let's see, what's still Coquen to Co River Trail. No, this is 13 Bridges. All right, so we're just going, we are going on 13 Bridges, <laughs> but this where maybe we don't see all 13. What was your favorite dessert as a child for the holiday? Um, I really don't even remember Christmas desserts, huh? per se. I think I can almost actually, they weren't Christmas desserts. They were Syrian cookies that my grandmother from Brooklyn would bring at any holiday. And she brought them for Christmas, I assume. I remember that just they always traveled whenever she came over she would have those Danish butter cookie tins yes one full of mamul which are little shortbread cookies with walnuts and dates inside right. and then my favorite grebe which is uh, like little wreaths of a very very delicate sugar cookie and where the two ends came together in the circle she would put half a pistachio nut on each side. Mm. And those, um, I could, my mule I could take or leave, but the grebe I could eat the whole tin. <laughs> so. I think those Danish cookie tins were valued. My mother had a passion for those butter cookies. Yeah. But I think the tins were valued as much as the cookies. I think we like the tins more than the because cookies. Because <laughs> she would put sewing supplies in the yeah. tin. She would put, like those tins are very useful, very utilitarian. That's what my mother bought for all of our teachers at Christmas. So if, they, you were, if you were one of our teachers. <laughs> you, you have high cholesterol. Now. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, you don't see them though. You don't see them now. I've not never as much. They're still around, but not as popular. They love, they also, my parents had a passion for fruitcake, but I never tried fruitcake. No, I haven't either. I just but assume I don't like it, but I don't really know. My favorite dessert, they'd always get pastries being Italians. And they'd always get they'd always get cannolis, mm. but back then the cannolis didn't have chocolate chips; they had the little orange, the candy pieces, fruits. which were okay. But I didn't like the that I love oranges, but I don't like them candy. I agree. But um, the cannolis were, of course, you know, even if you kind of it's funny. My daughter always says. Italians have great food, but not great desserts. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true. Oh, I love the Italian desserts. I don't know if that's true. She says the French have very good desserts. I don't know if that's true, but I do know that I associate the holidays with cannolis. Oh, and they would make, my father would personally make pizzelli, which oh, are those yeah. little waffle cookies that was always for Christmas. And he would make the honey balls, these little cookie balls. They were very tasty, dipped in honey that to signify a sweet year that's nice but um maybe we should make them <laughs> i i'm sure we can make a vegan version of them well that's true. well the honey's not vegan <laughs> maybe maple balls maple, maple balls, <laughs> maple balls. Even right there doesn't even sound nearly as enticing <laughs> i bet you there i mean maple syrup's delicious but so we have been living together now for a bit and uh uh, uh, and we're a later in life couple. Yes. We both uh, had marriages and divorce and raised children by ourselves or largely by ourselves. So what advice, what have you learned about a late in life partnership, marriage? Like, what would be your advice? Um, to who? 
someone else, someone yeah, else someone, considering it. Some other old ladies walking on a trail who fall in love and get married. <laughs> I think that, um, speaking for myself, when you're when you're used to being the commander of the house and you're moving into someone who is also commander of the house, <laughs> you have to be willing to let some things go. <laughs> and if you're not, and I don't mean you, but a person, um, it can be, you can bring on like more, I think, tension. Ajita. Yeah, Ajita. <laughs> but you have to like say, how important is this really? And, um, and I think that it's just, that's how you make the, the you, the you and the me turn into a we, I think. Yeah. So what it, about you? That's such an interesting listening to you because I do think it's like having two Captain Kirks on the Starship yeah, Enterprise. Yeah, exactly. That's a very good analogy. And, you know, there's only one Captain Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> Though, I probably have more of a Spock-like character <laughs> to a Kirk character. But we had our toaster incident, and we learned a lot from our toaster incident. So what was the toaster incident? Well, I didn't call it an incident, but <laughs> you say incident as a former resident advisor, we always had to fill out incident reports, <laughs> like if somebody was shooting off bottle rockets up the hallway at 2 a.m. So I don't think this was of that magnitude, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I bought, uh, we had to buy a toaster that fit this one space in the cabinet and the cabinets are not even a foot deep. so. We replaced your old toaster when I moved in with uh, a new one that was uh, kind of a, I don't know what you call that color. Teal. Te no, it's lighter than teal. It's kind of like a seafoam. Oh, yes. <laughs> seafoam color. Sort of retro 60s look. But it was plastic on the outside, and I didn't realize you didn't want uh, any cooking appliances with plastic well obviously some things have plastic plastic that could might touch your food let's put it that way the microwave has plastic on the outside but you can't get around that <laughs> so, but um and i didn't realize you hadn't been making toast for six months um <laughs> and then you told me you bought a stainless steel toaster and but you were willing to put it on a higher shelf and i didn't really see any reason to have two toasters so um, I'm taking mine to the office because I, there are sandwiches I would like to have at lunchtime that I don't have because I can't bring, make toast in the morning and then bring it to the office and expect it to be crispy. Um, and we put the very lovely digital stainless steel toaster in the designated spot. But I wanted, I think the incident, the word incident comes with um, my conversation about choosing these things together yes and, yes um, not being afraid to speak up for what's really important to you and not just you but you meaning like a person right um you know that when there's something that's doesn't work for us we have to kind of say it in the moment um, not six months later when a new toaster has arrived <laughs> <laughs> yes it's true and i learned something valuable from it um because I have a passion for toast. If I, I could live on tea and toast, and I do prefer a stainless steel toaster because for many, many, many reasons. But this new toaster is really lovely, but more significantly, um, 
it was a sort of a learning curve of that you know we we make decisions together and that means we respect all opinions in the process and not be not to be um, afraid to give an opinion um, but I did have toast today after my six months of no toast I felt like I was freed from <laughs> from, from the no toast realm can't imagine six months and oh my god because I love I have a passion for toast and I had my wonderful Ezekiel bread toasted I confess I had three slices good I didn't even have two That's healthy I had three <laughs> slices of beautiful delicious full of grain Ezekiel bread so um so but I do like it I have to say I when I used it this morning you know, I plug it in and automatically there's a digital readout of what number corresponds to your desired level of brownness. And when you turn it on, there's a little countdown timer. This is when your toast will be ready, which I've never, ever had before. So I really like it, actually. Very, very Isn't nice, it a nice choice. I didn't realize you can adjust the brownness. Yeah, That's there's a the dial on the front, but oh. you'll see the little numbers on the screen go oh. up and down. Oh, I didn't even see that side of the toaster. I only saw the minutes for how long. It took to, for my Santa toast. Santa came early, brought you toast. I got my toast. Well, I was Santa in this yes. case. I bought the toast. When do you think, um, did you believe in Santa when you were a kid? And when did you, well, do you know, do you remember a particular moment when I, you know, you felt you learned the other story? It's <laughs> such an interesting question because I, I know for, you know, my sister is eight years older and my brother is four years older. So, I don't really remember believing in Santa, but I'm sure that I did. But again, we were very Italian in the sense that, you know, I was only second generation born in the United States. So I think there was a sense maybe of Santa just from school, but very shortly after we were, you know, above like knee level, in addition to presents, we would be handed the envelope, which is a very Italian thing. You know, you got the envelope. And somehow it didn't seem like cash. And, oh. you know, so it didn't seem like, uh, hey, kid, psst, psst, go, here's yeah. your cash. But I will tell a funny story about Santa with my daughter. My daughter, when she was about six years old, looked me dead in the eye. And she said to me, Mommy, I'm going to ask you a question. And if you lie, and I find out that you lied, I will never believe you again. <laughs> and I must say that the child terrified me because she had a look kind of like, uh, what's his like name, Marlon really, Brando in The Godfather. Yeah, she really wouldn't believe <laughs> you know, like, again. <laughs> make me an offer I can't refuse, and, which I've never seen in its entirety. But anyway, uh, everyone tells me such a great movie. But anyway, so I was shaking and trembling because I was like, what do I do? What do I do if I lie and say Santa exists? She'll never believe me ever again. And so uh, after a minute of perspiration, I'm perspiration, perspiration, I turned to her and I said, there is no Santa. And to this day, she's angry at me well, because she said that, that I really should have, I, I should have kept the belief in Santa alive. Well, obviously when a kid is saying it with such conviction, they're pretty certain. You're really just confirming what they actually or believing. Well, I just realized we better have a disclaimer on this episode. You know, what is it like? Spoiler alert. Spoiler but those who believe in Santa don't yes. listen. Well, hopefully, <laughs> I don't know how many 
kids are listening to this. For <laughs> you never Santa know. Belief there might be a precocious Todd, toddler Todd. We, when we lived in Houston, um, my father would dress up as Santa for my two younger sisters. <laughs> and he wore these black glasses, you know, which I've never seen on any Santa. But um, he would go into my parents' bedroom, put that outfit on they had a sliding glass door to this patio and he'd come around to the front of the house and have toys and uh one time he sits down we have pictures of my sisters on his lap and my sister chris says um looks at my uh looks at santa's <laughs> ring on his finger and says my father has a ring just like that <laughs> and it's, it was his school ring from polytechnic uh university um which is now part of nyu but that's another story and um my santa's reaction was oh your father and i went to college together <laughs> and then chris will tell the story of how she would go you know when she got older just a little older and still she still believed in santa and she would tell her friends my father went to school with college with Santa. Like, how do you top that? <laughs> well, first, when you you had me at the black glasses, because I thought your father was the Roy Orbison of Santa. Yes, he definitely looked like Roy Pretty Orbison. Pretty woman. Yes. But that was, um, that was something else. But uh, I used to write letters to Santa. I think we're going to make a left here. Yes. So if you made a right. Yes. I believe that's where 13 Bridges continues. All right, so we're on Eagle Hill Trail. Uh, we'll find out when we get to the bottom. <laughs> anyway, um, there came a point where I would itemize my lists by toy category. <laughs> These are all the dolls I want, six different dolls, battery, non-battery. Uh, and then I had camping equipment, as if I was going camping. And... Um, one time, because it was, this is, I must have known there was no Santa because in sixth grade, I'm sure I didn't believe in Santa, but we were watching the Watergate hearings at school. And uh, there was like a name, name the reindeer competition at the local nursery. Right. Um, you know, garden center. And I just thought, wouldn't it be hysterical to name them all after the... Um, Haldeman and Mus, you know, Ehrlichman and all the people who were Dean. Being, yeah, Dean being indicted. And like, I just thought I was going to actually thought I was going to win. With that. <laughs> so, of course, they never got back to me. It's interesting you bring that up because I'm a little bit younger than you. And I remember the Watergate hearings, too. And I remember thinking, what does water and a gate have to do with the president of the United States? But, uh, but I also, when I would pledge as a little child, I thought it was witches' stance. Oh. And I thought, what does a witch have to do with the nation? That's funny. <laughs> so I was a very uh, literal. <laughs> like, I was like, water, gate. How can a gate hold back water? I remember thinking that too. Can a gate hold back water? Isn't this pretty right here, the way the trail curves like this? It and is pretty, but there are foxes in these woods. Foxes are sweet. No, we had no. a fox that <laughs> sat in them, our backyard right before I moved. People make statements like that until a fox bites them on the leg, and then they're like, "Well, Darn. only if they're rabid." This is these rabid foxes are they're not very sweet. sweet. They're very sweet. We named her Roxy. I have no idea if it was female. What I'm noticing is that there are really no leaves anymore on the trees. No. Like when we've been hiking a lot this this season, 
in it the late fall. It makes it doesn't it? Yeah, like they're <laughs> like the trees are like the trees are uh, without there. their leaves. But now we're seeing that beautiful Hudson Valley light we were talking about last week. Yeah, it's even true. Even though there's no leaves, and it's getting a little cooler. It is. Look at this stunning light. Again. I think that's a, a, a oh, there's bee, a bridge beehive. Oh yeah. One of the bridges of the 13 Oh bridges my goodness, we made we one on out of 13. We'll find out when we get to the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I've ever done this 13 bridges loop in its entirety without branching off onto some other loop. Yeah, it so. is a little perplexing. Like, where are the 13 bridges? I mean, we found one, but... I think most of them are down at the other end, like when we hiked on um, Thanksgiving weekend. Um, They're on that long stretch there. It could, you could be but right. here's one. We got one. It's really and maybe the one over like route an over one seventeen that we just walked over oh, was, yeah, was yeah. one of the bridges. That's a good point too. So anyway, but it is a nice time of life, I think, when you're believing in Santa. I just remember thinking, I remember when I believed, and I felt like it was a super magical time. And you have your whole life to face reality. It's nice to be in that magical time for a few years. I think I was like a like a little Julia Child kid. Like, I loved my presents. Let me be very clear. To this day, I still collect vintage toys. I love toys, and I love games. But um, but I'm, I was definitely, like, I love to eat. And, you know, like, I think I associated it with, you know, back in the day, you know, like, olives and artichokes and provolone and mozzarella. Oh, I forgot to add the kippenea, which we had discussed on a prior oh, Jesus. podcast. But that was another favorite because that only came out for holidays. It was like no kippenea in my lunchbox ever. <laughs> Thank much goodness. As I would have you would have frightened the kids yeah, in New Jersey. They probably would have, the nurse would have sent a note home to my mother <laughs> for my mother. Tell your mother, no raw meat in school. <laughs> but back then we did lick the, the batter. You know, we all That's licked the true. spoons with the raw eggs, and like, and we if survived. anyone stood between us and those that batter, they would have had like a like a gang of little kids attacking. No, I know. And it's nobody true. got sick from salmonella. No, I think we just got lucky. That's like people who said, "Well, I never wore a seatbelt and I survived." Like, well, you just got lucky. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. But there are people like Rocky drank the raw eggs to work out. Yeah. I think your chance of getting it is still pretty low, but when you do get it, you're going to pay. Yeah, but you can get salmonella from, like, lettuce you in the supermarket. You can get it from anything. Yeah. Look, life is not risk-free. That's what I tell people. What? <laughs> you just have to... Uh, Jesus! You have Rocky to choose your... the bubble. Put me in the bubble. Yes. You have to, like, choose what your acceptable level of risk is. And know low. that your body actually has mechanisms in place to, like, counteract. Oh, yeah, we were on Eagle Hill Trail. Good to know. All right, now we're on back on... Pocantico River. Well, you know when you mentioned like the contest, we in Mount Kisco had a contest to name this street, and I thought the best name for the street was Lenape Lane, because yeah. the indigenous peoples of Mount Kisco were the Lenape, the Lenny Lenape to be specific, and it did not win. No, it's Pat Riley Way. Yeah, it did not win. Who was, uh, I believe, a Knicks coach. I'm just I thought, curious what, what his connection to Mount Kisco was, like if he lived there. There have been some very famous people from Mount Kisco. Like? Like, you know the woman who wrote those books? Um, no, she didn't write the book. She was the actress in that movie, The Dragon Tattoo. She went to, the, to she was Rooney a local. Mara? Yeah, yeah, she's a local. Oh. She was a local. I knew she was from Westchester. I didn't know she was from Mount Kisco. Yeah. That's interesting. Mount Kisco, the big little village.
Ho, ho, ho. Rosie, I'm very disappointed that you don't believe in Santa. Expect coal in your stocking this Christmas. Oh no, that's what I get. I should have been like the, uh, was it Elsa in Frozen? She said, believing is the magic. Believing is the magic. Believing is the magic. Happy holidays. Disclaimer, two old ladies, views are completely our own not representative of anything else you can believe in santa if you wish and santa disapproves of this episode ciao 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 ciao